Good evening, everybody. You guys can take a seat. That would be great. I'm going to give us some uh, instructions for tonight. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to do a corporate prayer together. Uh, so what we've said uh, for a while now, for the last couple of years, as Josh has led us in our seasons of Advent and going into Good Friday, um, the season of Advent is the reverse of Good Friday, meaning as we move towards Easter, there's um, a darkness that we embrace on Good Friday that uh, makes Easter all the better. And uh, what we started out with at the, the first Sunday after Thanksgiving was this time where we wanted uh, light to grow and, and trees to grow and be reminded that we're moving towards Christ's birth. And so uh, tonight is going to do that. Uh, our, our hope is a few things. One, we're going to start, the, the lights are going to start off a little low as we're going to take some time to meditate in a moment together. And then they're going to slowly get brighter as we get to the birth of Christ, at which point um, I'll give us some directions with the candles you guys were given as you came in. Uh, the other thing, if you're not familiar with how these services go, uh, this is a lessons and carol service. So we are going to do nine lessons together, uh, and I'll walk us through these lessons. At certain points, we're going to sing between lessons. At certain points, I'll ask you to stand. And so we're going to do this together. Uh, just you know, be ready for anything at that point. So let me, um, let me uh, ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to stand right now, and then I'm going to ask you to sit right away. So it's already a great start for us, okay? We're going to uh, open with a prayer of illumination. Uh, and we're going to pray this prayer together, and so it's going to be up on the screen. I will lead us in it, uh, and if you can follow along with, with the cadence that's put in front of us, that would be uh, great. starts with this. Almighty God, as we prepare with joy to celebrate the gift of the Christ child, embrace the earth with your glory, and be for us a living hope. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our first lesson comes from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form or void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Going to verse 6. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. Go down to verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. To verse 11 in chapter 1 of Genesis. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation and plants yielding seed and the fruit bearing fruit in which their seed and each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. To verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. To verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with the swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly over the earth across the expanse of the heavens. To verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And then to verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Our first lesson is a lesson of a king who decided to create a dominion in which all of the creatures and all the citizens of that dominion in a word, the best way I can describe it are in worshipful harmony together. 
creating human beings and those citizens to take care of the things this king has put in front of them. This first lesson we need to learn is there this worshipful harmony. All things find their identity, their hope, and their perfection even, their ultimate joy in worshiping the king because he's a good king. He's an all-knowing king. He's a powerful king. He's an all-loving king. He's a king that brings hope. He's a king that brings peace. He's a king that brings joy. That leads us to our second lesson. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who also was with her and he ate. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together. And made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the midst of the, the cool of the day in the garden. And the and man said to his wife, and, and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9 says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? In our second lesson, we learn in worshipful harmony that wasn't enough. For whatever reason, whatever was going on within the citizens and the subjects of that kingdom, they wanted more and were introduced to a new character, a character that desires evil. There's this plot going on that we see someone is against that king and the, the subjects of that kingdom now choose to side with this new enemy that's on the table. And when this happened, things fall apart. And because that king who created this dominion is a good king, he has to hand down punishment. We all know this. We experience justice within us when we see wrongs being done. And so we can absolutely resonate with the, the, the image of this king that we're made in. And we see no punishment is apropos in this moment. And so the king hands down all these curses. Because you chose to follow this new character, this enemy, this serpent. Man, here's your curse. Female, here's your curse. To the serpent, here's your curse. But it's not just these individual curses. We see from the rest of the story, creation itself is broken. And, and, and now man and, and woman, they know it's broken. They experience the brokenness. And so look again at, at, at our lesson here. You can see it clear as day. In verse 8, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. From this moment, that's what man has been doing ever since hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord. And even though in this lesson we see turmoil, we see pain, we see brokenness, even then this king is still good. And he gives us something called the first gospel. He declares in chapter 3 of Genesis in verse 15, he says, even though this serpent bit man's heel, one day I will send someone to crush this serpent's head. There's a promise in that. And so it's in this promise that the people of God continue to long for this hero of the story to come, that the savior to come and save. And so there's this crying, Lord, come, we desire for you to come. So I'm going to ask you to stand and together we're going to join in with the citizens of that kingdom in that time of Israel. And we're going to ask the Lord to come, come Emmanuel, that he would return, that he would restore things to the way they're supposed to be.
Our third lesson. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its root from his roots shall bear fruits. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. He shall... Uh, He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide the uh, equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breadth of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt on his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The cry that we're we're making when we um, cry out Emmanuel like restore Israel is, is the cry that Israel constantly makes in your Old Testament. If you decide to pick up your Bible and you'll see the first half of your Bible, even more than half, and just pure density of it, um, are constantly these echoes of recognizing that this kingdom, this dominion that has been usurped by this enemy, um, and knowing that there's this Savior coming, there's these prophecies. And I want you to see in both of these prophecies, it's interesting, the first one you'll notice is in the past tense, and the second one, it's in the future tense. This is what a prophetic literature does. It, it blends these ideas together to tell you, and I quote some amazing statements here, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon this one who's going to come save this kingdom. There shall come forth from the shoot of Jesse this idea that that a, a tree, a stump is dead. I was just trying to explain this to my kids. A stump, it looks like a tree is gone, it's dead, but then out of nowhere, there's this hope that this tree's still alive. This is what a sign to Jesus uh, of Jesus looks like. He shall not judge by what he sees, decide disputes by what he hears, but with righteousness. The hope that we see and the longing that we see in the Old Testament is someone's going to restore what has been broken. So we don't want to move on from lesson two and what it's there and then be reminded in lesson three, let's just move on. Okay, great, Jesus was born. Let's sit. Let's sit for a little bit. So this song, I'm going to ask you to stay seated. And as we sing it together, um, knowing backwards in history what has taken place, still trying to remind us ourselves of one day, or the days before, it wasn't always like this. There wasn't a Jesus who had come, and and Israel was longing uh, for for the Savior to arrive as a Messiah. So we'll sing this song together as we sing a song, O Holy Night, that most of you would be aware of. It's that song that leads us to our fourth lesson. It says this in Luke chapter 2. We've arrived. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration from Cornelius, as when Cornelius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judah. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Our fourth lesson is interesting because um, we sing about a night, but 
Scripture longs for a day in the Old Testament, this day of the restoring. It seems like everything that we've been waiting for in the Old Testament, this mighty warrior to restore things, this great conqueror, comes in the most humble way possible. To, to come as a baby, completely reliant on his parents. I mean, to come to, in, into a house where they're not even married yet creates this tension between Mary and Joseph. It's, it's this lesson that we need to understand for everyone in the room. Jesus is usually never what you expect him to be. And that's important for us because we set expectations on Jesus just like the Pharisees in the Bible did, just like Israel did. And here comes this baby, this savior of the world who was in lesson one... Here he is in swaddling clothes in this manger because there's no room for him. How again, apropos for the moment, there's no room for the savior of the world. This leads to our fifth lesson. Even though the world can't see it, the spiritual world is losing its mind. Lesson five. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with the great, with great fear Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, this is so great, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom it, uh, he is pleased. This is one of my favorite parts to teach my kids when it comes to the Advent season. It's almost like for a moment, here's this angel proclaiming to these shepherds, not to the religious elites, but to shepherds in the middle of a field, but not decreed by a king on some great throne, but in the middle of a field about this baby, this angel's trying to declare, and it's almost like all of his buddies are in the background like, Phil, you're not doing it fast enough. And they break open heaven and they start to claim this, this proclamation, you have no idea. Everyone has been waiting for this moment. Go find your savior. He's, he's wrapped in clothes that you're not going to recognize a king by. He's in a place you're not going to recognize a king by. But he's your king. He's the one you've been waiting for. He's the one that was prophesied about in Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 11. It's what Psalm has been talking about. It's what all the law is pushing us towards. This baby, this savior, the one that's going to restore us back to lesson one is finally here. The physical world may not know it, but the spiritual world does. They know what's going on. This leads us to our sixth lesson. Verse 15, when the angels went away from there into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing, this thing that has appeared or has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, and they went with great haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her hearts. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What we learn in our sixth lesson is three really important things about this Savior. Look at verse 15. If you have your Bibles in chapter 2 of Luke, you'll see the first thing that we recognize about this king is he is worth seeking. So let me say to every person in this room, it's not just something that we have to figure out at the end of our life. This great proclamation by these angels about this little baby that 
half the world right now is celebrating is worth seeking. It's at least worth figuring out because if he's not king and we can get there and figure out that he's not king, then it's worth knowing. But if he is, but if he is, it leads us to the second part of lesson six. He's worth sharing. At the first thing the shepherds do, let's go find out what's going on. And when they see Mary and Joseph, we have no idea how much information Mary and Joseph have. They begin to proclaim what has been proclaimed to them. And I'm just just take a stretch real quick. What we know about Jesus is worth proclaiming as well. We too, he's not just a king that we can see that's worth seeking, but he's also, when we find him, he's worth sharing, which leads to the last part of this. In all of this, as believers in Jesus Christ, if you're in the room, he's worth and his birth is worth pondering. And that's exactly what Mary does, as you can see it there in verse 19. She ponders as she hears these things, what on earth is going on? A savior being born to us in this manger, in swaddling clothes, this doesn't add up. He's worth pondering. All those ideas lead us to our seventh lesson. Lesson number seven, verse 21. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, talking about this baby, he was called Jesus. The name was given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came... I'm sorry, and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do before uh, him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up from his arms and blessed God and said, here's his declaration. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles, for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign that is uh, opposed, verse 35, and a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What we have in lesson seven is a capitulation of the story. It's a story of a man, Simeon, who was waiting for a savior. And finally, when he comes, he just can't but help take take a baby from the parents, right? Mary's like, who are you? Okay. Takes the baby from his parents and blesses this child and declares what he knows to be true. Everything they've been waiting for. So it was declared in the spiritual world to these shepherds. And now God slowly begins to seep out this truth about Jesus. And and listen, this is what I love about this. What Simeon has been waiting for What Israel has been waiting for, and hear me, you've got to know this if you're a believer or not a believer, what every human on the earth is waiting for, and I quote, waiting for the consolation. And then it says of Israel for his people, but can we just pause on that moment for a second? This this consolation, this refuge, this comfort, like what is within you and I as we try to find joy and happiness uh, and peace and hope in trinkets of the world, in sex, in money, in, in, in success, in whatever it is, like that, that thing we're trying to find, here is found in the birth of Jesus. The, the declaration by Simeon is pretty simple. I've been waiting for this consolation, this summing up of all things. 
and it's in this Messiah that's come. That's still true. That's still true. So it's with this idea that, um, as we see in, in verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation, that um, we now look at Jesus, and we, we're going to sing a song here in a second. But before we sing, and I ask you to stand, here's what we're going to do. Um, as believers, we recognize that we're very similar to Simeon. We've been waiting for the Savior to come, and now we know, and there's something going on within us we want to explode. And so we try to worship. We, we try to seek after him and grope for him, even though he's not far off from us, as Acts 17 says. But there's other things that we can do as well. There's other tangible things that we can do as well. We can look to all those people who don't have hope, not just in the spiritual sense, but are absolutely down and out in this world. And so um, we felt like it was appropriate during this season to look at the orphan. And so what we're going to do, and maybe you don't call this place your home, this is the one time of year where we'll ask you to give money even though you don't call this place your home. So we'll say we give as a church, or we don't give, at, we don't give to a church, we give as a church. We're going to ask you to give to a church even if you don't go here, okay? But here's what we're going to do. Everything that we want to give tonight, we want to give to foster care and adoption. We want to push towards and lean towards the orphan, 100% of everything that comes in. We want to give to organizations. You may not be familiar with these organizations, like AZ-127. We want to give, to, give uh, this money to families who want to adopt or foster but can't, who need help, who've chosen to. We want to come alongside families who are coming alongside uh, the brokenness of this world. And so what we're going to ask you to do is we're going to ask you to give. Now, if you're old school and you don't have a phone, a smartphone in here, well, you got to figure that out first things first. But secondly, um, on your way out, you're more than welcome to write a check and drop it in the box. Again, everything that's going to be given tonight, we're going to give to the orphans of this world. Uh, and then the, the second way that we, you can give is you can give online. So I don't know if you can see it because you're sitting down, but if you text the word Peoria to 77977, you can give online that way. And then everything we're going to gather again tonight is going to give to organizations that we trust and we know, to families, to people, so we can continue to move towards. As we see, like Simeon, this Messiah has come. I can't but help, like, do something about it. So while that's going on, I'm going to ask you again if you can stand to your feet. Okay, and you can, uh, you're more than capable of looking at your phone when you stand to your feet. And we're going to sing a song that um, maybe, just maybe, uh, Simeon might have sung. The Messiah has come, you guys. It's true. Everything we've been waiting for is here in this lesson, in lesson number seven. So let's sing this song together. I'm going to ask you to remain standing. You have to do it every Sunday. You'll figure it out. Okay. Psalm 98 says this, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his glorious arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. And the lyre, the sound of the melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. The world and those who dwell in it, let the, the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing with joy together. Verse 9, the last verse here. Before the Lord, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with, iniquity, with equity. 
And then Isaiah 55, verses 12 and 13. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth in singing. And the trees and the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the the thorn, you shall have the uh, cypress. Instead of the briar, you shall come forth myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. An everlasting sign shall uh, shall not be cut off. So what we need to learn in Lesson 8, which is important in these verses, as we remain standing, because we're going to sing another song here, is it's not that Jesus just came as a baby and put things back as like, okay, but he restores. In the text, in those texts that, that we see that you might be missing, is something really, really cool. Jesus restores back things to Lesson 1. Do you hear that? Do you hear the mountains? What did I say? It was worshipful harmony. The mountains knew they had the rightful place as long as they worshiped the Creator. The the, the trees, the fish, the birds, all these things were broken in lesson two. But here in lesson eight, we're reminded that Jesus doesn't just save our souls. He restores things back and we're to join in creation. The sun will rise tomorrow and the moon's out now because it's declaring something to us according to Psalm 19. I'm going to be restored one day. I'm going to be made new one day. And so we continue to join in song with all of creation, this worshipful harmony that we're a part of. Let's sing together. last lesson, lesson number nine, the only one pertains to the future. Psalm 126 verses one through three, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with the shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payments. And to the one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Our last lesson is to remind us that one day we won't have to celebrate Advent anymore. One day the pain that exists, the heartache that exists where we long for Jesus to return won't be here anymore. And so in the service, what we've been doing is um, we've been reminding ourselves through the lights as the auditorium gets brighter, as Advent reminds us of this season, it's, it's Jesus has come, he's made all things new. But we also have to remember that Jesus, John 1, he comes into darkness And so I'm going to ask you to turn off the lights if you can, or Sean. And I'm going to ask you if you have a candle to light that candle. And here's why we're going to do that. In the same way that Jesus entered into darkness to bring light, we're going to walk out of here 
and we're going to go into darkness. And if John 1, 5 is right, his light continues to shine. But we don't see Jesus. He's not here tangibly with us. But according to John 1, 5, it's shining through us. It continues to shine. And so he is the light of the world, and we, as his bride, continue to shine for him. We go towards darkness. And so this is where I leave you with our last lesson. We're going to sing a song together, and Josh will lead us from there. Merry Christmas to all of you.